Peter Sherman in tonight for uh, Alex Pearson. She's back tomorrow and um, want to talk about a couple of things over the course of the next hour that uh, are either fallout from uh, the panel or things we haven't covered that we think we should cover. One of them would be um, some, I, I suppose, updated news uh, on the Danforth shooting of last summer in Midtown Toronto, where two young women sadly lost their lives. 17 people were wounded by a shooter using uh, a single handgun. It's amazing how much one of those things, how much damage one of those things can do. But uh, the news today is that the Special Investigations Unit of the province of Ontario has uh, looked into all aspects of it and has found no reasonable grounds to charge any officer involved in the shooting. And that makes sense to me only because uh, they they found uh, the shooter himself dead on the ground. Uh, it's been confirmed that the bullet that took his life was by his own hand. The gun was still in his hand, uh, and uh, the bullet uh, in him, in his head, uh, came from that particular gun. So I want to talk to uh, Global News's Radio Crime, Global News's radio. Sorry about that, everybody. Global News Radio's crime and security analyst, his name is Dave Perry, and uh, he's a recent um, attraction to Global News Radio, and my first time talking to Dave. Hi. Hi, it's a pleasure to speak with you. All right, so you heard my little uh, setup. Is that a reasonable description of what the SIU has found? Yes, it certainly is, and uh, I think there's going to be an awful lot more information coming forward as the investigation continues. But, uh, you know, this, this investigation and the timing of information getting out to the public has been somewhat compromised by a couple of things. And the first being that because there was somebody um, who was involved with the police who was dead at the scene, which would be the suspect, uh, the SIU took over that part of the investigation. And we all know historically they say very little to the public until they, they get to a certain point. And then also the fact that um, the investigation itself is so complex and probably transcends into a federal investigation with terrorist allegations and all kinds of other things that, that need to be done. So it's it's been a fascinating, uh, tragic, but fascinating investigation to watch unfold. I imagine so from your perspective as a, as a professional, uh, for people like me and I guess our listeners, it's well, you know, at least there's no implication on the part of the, uh, the Toronto Police Service for having done anything but what they could do under difficult circumstances and uh, I suppose shining a light on other things that we could do going forward. And I guess that's what you allude to when you talk about the, the, the remainder of the fallout from this investigation. Let's jump forward and without asking you to draw conclusions, there are facts out there that I guess I would describe, and you can apply your own description, as tidbits. Uh, a, a tidbit being, gee, we know something about this guy. We know that his name was Faisal Hussein. We know that he lived with his parents, that he had a bedroom there. We know that uh, police, in legal searches of the premises, found AK-47 magazines, uh, some white powder that ostensibly was cocaine, other items that are described as disturbing that have to do with the ability to shoot. I don't believe there were any arms themselves there, but that begs some questions. Because back at the time, and I'm, I'm recalling from having covered it, uh, we, were, we were being told that we were dealing with a mentally ill guy. You'd remember that uh, very well-written press release that came out that this was entirely about mental illness. It had nothing to do with anything else. And now we hear this stuff, which uh, puts the, I won't say puts the lie to it. I'll say, calls it into question. 
It certainly does. And, uh, you know, when you look at mental health and how it impacts the criminal mind, uh, you know, my guess from all the planning and deliberation and the, and the way that uh, he went about executing his plan and shooting people in the way that he did, a very organized fashion, he wouldn't even come close to the threshold for somebody who's criminally non-responsible due to mental illness. This guy uh, planned his, his attack. Um, he's prepared, well-armed. And as I said, uh, he, he went out there, and, uh, and the video itself is, is frightening to watch. Uh, how he went about what he wanted to do that night. And then he, he took his own life, and that was all part of the plan. So I don't know. Uh, we, it'll remain to be seen. But um, I was I was kind of interested in the fact that there was that well-scripted, as you said, uh, release from the family about mental health. I don't think that's what we're looking at here. I think we're looking at potential radicalization and, and a terrorist attack. And I, I, I think that's that's what we should be really examining at this time. Well, that was going to be my next question. So let's probe a little deeper here. If we're looking at that and uh, and all indications, even to an untrained mind like uh, my own or people listening, you'd say, you know, uh, when you keep that kind of stuff in your apartment and then when you go out and you take life um, in uh, a very deliberate way, you know where you're going to go, you know that you're going to shoot randomly into restaurants, you know you're going to uh, injure, maim, and uh, possibly kill, and, and he did all of those things. Uh, you've got to draw the conclusion, I think, anyway, that you just drew. So, uh, you know, that begs other questions. Like, are there really people out there who are radicalized individuals who are prepared to go out and do something like this alone, um, and and wind up dead in the street because that's part of the plan? Or Absolutely. are we looking Absolutely. at? Are okay? Are we also looking at the possibility of? Uh, connections that we don't know about yet, or maybe that the police know about and are not prepared to comment on at this point. Yeah, I would say that we're going to hear an awful lot more about this story as as time moves on. And I'm like everybody else in the public, I'm getting a little impatient. I'd like to hear more about this, and and I'd like to have some answers. But uh, for whatever reason, this one's been kept fairly quiet. But this investigation would only start with him and and the search of his home and the seizure of all, all of the ammunition and from there, it's going to continue on to all of his connections, even looking at potential international connections, any any kind of an association with a radicalized group, you know, his friends, his family, all of that. And, you know, some of the obvious questions just, just from what we're hearing today, and, it, and I think it's very limited, is, um, you know, he had, he had weapons uh, for mass casualties, even what he was carrying with him the night that he committed these, these shootings and these murders. He, he was going out to have mass casualties and the clips, the magazines and so on that he had in his apartment, if those are matched with the weapon, for example, the AK-47, um, that, that would be so devastating had he had that weapon. Uh, it would have been far worse than even what we saw. Well, that's a weapon of war. That's, uh, it may be a, a weapon of choice for terrorism, but AK-47s are designed to shoot a lot of people in a war theater. It is. And, um, you know, it's a devastating weapon, long range, and it's even worse, short range. And hearing about the drum clips that he had and, and some of the oversized magazines would, would have given him the incredible capacity uh, to continue firing at people for a very extended period of time. And the casualty rate would have gone right through the roof. So whatever that reason is that he didn't have that magazine hooked up to that weapon, uh, that's that's one little, little thing that we can all be thankful for, that he, he didn't manage to do that because... I can't even imagine the devastation in AK-47 down in that area. 
Okay, so Dave, let me uh, wrap this up by by uh, making it clear that the the fact we now know that uh, there's no implication as far as police are concerned in the death of this man. Um, he died by his own hand. He shot himself with his own gun after doing, uh, I'll call it the dirty deeds that he did that night in July on the Danforth. Uh, but the investigation that we heard results on today was strictly uh, special investigations unit investigation to determine that and only that, which means, yeah. uh, which means that there is, uh, as you've alluded to, a lot of investigating still to be done, some that has been done where we are not aware as the public of the results, but there's a lot more to this story that's going to be revealed when the curtain opens. Yeah, I think so. I, I think we're going to hear some things that, that quite frankly, shock us. Uh, on, on the surface, this has the earmarks of some really horrible planning and potentially some things that could have been even far worse than the tragedy that we're all facing. On the police aspect from the SIU, um, you know, I've, I've, I've always said this. Uh, I don't like the way the SIU takes so long to investigate police officers. Any good homicide investigator that I know could have cleared these officers that night or a couple of days later and done a, a full and, and fair job of doing so. And to have these officers, you know, cleared today, all these months later, to me, is I've always got questions about that. Why does it take so long? And quite frankly, they shouldn't be saying that they didn't find uh, evidence to charge the officers when anything. They should really be touting these officers as heroes. I mean, I, I watched the video just like you did and seen these officers. There was one female officer I've seen in the in the news a fair bit, and she's armed with a rifle and she's got a big mag flashlight hooked up, and she's she's just going full on in, in the direction of this attacker, uh, knowing full well that he's already shot a number of people and he will certainly shoot at the police and. I, I think sometimes the SIU misses the, the fact that these police officers are heroes and they, they should be uh, highly decorated for their, their courage on that particular night. Well, the SIU may have missed it, but we haven't, and we thank our Toronto Police Service for doing uh, what they did to prevent even more mass casualty uh, than what already occurred that night. Dave Perry, thanks so much for joining us. Anytime. All right, Dave Perry is Global News Radio's crime and security analyst. My name is Peter Sherman. Again, this is Global News Radio.